Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and Local Now Channel 525. Before every believer, there exists two distinct voices calling us into action. One into a world of corruption, the other into a life of obedience unto a holy God. Join us today as Pastor Rander discusses which call Christians should listen to in this message, A Call to Holiness. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. One whose life is holy will seek to maintain moral purity before the Lord through a continual confession of sins. Again, one whose life is holy will seek to maintain moral purity before the Lord through continual confession of sins. If you're going to be holy, you have to confess your sins. You have to cry out to God. You have to ask him to wash you with his shed blood. Uh, why do we want to continually uh, confess our sins? Because we want to have a clean life, not a dirty life. A clean life. We want a clean heart. We want to think clean. We don't want a gutter mind. We don't want a satanic mind, a low-down mind, a degrading mind. We want a clean life, a life that's washed, a life that reflects God. Uh, we continually confess our sin because we want to live justly before God, to be just. We want to be chaste. We want to be righteous because we want to look like God. We want to, we want to be godly. We want to be godly. The worst thing you can see is an old, ungodly Christian. I mean, you've been, listen, the older you are, the more godly you ought to be from walking with the Lord. The worst, the worst thing you can see is somebody 70 years old acting like a fool. I mean, we ought to be, there are some things we ought to be passed by now. That's right. We, we, we ought to be growing in Christ. So moral purity, confession of sin, that will be righteous, chaste, godly, clean, just, and so forth. This person is one whose life, one who is holy, this is one whose life is harmonized, aligned, and conform to the word of God, which results in holiness and conduct and character. Listen, the more you align your life and adjust your life on the authoritative word of God, the more holy you're going to be. That's right. When you align yourself, when the Bible says don't steal, you don't steal. When the Bible says think on good things, you think on good things. When the Bible says don't lie, you're not, you don't have a spirit of lying about you. The Bible says, be not deceived. You're not walking in deception. The Bible says all these things. The Bible says, the Bible says, love your brother. You're not hating folk because they're a certain color, because they're not your 
your, your, your particular taste or whatever, but you love people through the lens of Jesus and you love people in spite of their issues. The sooner you uh, adjust your life to the word of God, uh, the holier you will be, the more righteous you'll be, the more chaste you'll be, and, 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 and your light will shine brighter. The light of Christ will shine brightly through you because you have harmonized your life with the authoritative word of God and people will take note that you have been with Jesus. You don't have to walk around and say, I'm a Christian. They will know you're Christian by your behavior. They'll know you're Christian by your lifestyle, by what you say, by where you go and where you choose not to go, what you listen to and all those things. Listen, aligning your life on the authoritative word of God performs spiritual cleansing. It purifies you so that you look more like Jesus and folk will take note that you are a Christian. Amen. So I say it again, a one who is holy is one whose life is harmonized, aligned, and conformed to the word of God, which results in holiness uh, in conduct and character. Now let's transition. What are the prerequisites for holiness? You don't just accidentally get holy. You don't just stumble. Oh, I just, I, guess what? I, I slipped and found holy. I, I, I was struck by lightning and found holy. Sometimes God has to strike folks to get them right. But, uh, but you don't just accidentally find ho- holy, uh, holiness. It has to be purposeful. Uh, you have to intentionally uh, make a decision to live holy. So what are, what are the prerequisites for holiness? Let me give you uh, some prerequisites so we, can get, so we can be holy and find favor with God, be blessed by God, and represent him in the finest of way in a world that desperately needs to see Christ through us, the hope of glory. What are the prerequisites? Number one, apart from being born again, it is impossible to live holy. Now, you can't live holy in a pleasing way to God until you've first been born again. If you fail to view yourself as a sinner, you'll not see a need for a Savior. Now, some folks say, well, I don't, I'm not a sinner. Don't, don't call me a sinner. That's some folks say that in a, in a minute. I, I'm not a sinner. I'm offended that you call me a sinner. Well, if you don't see yourself as a sinner, you'll never see a need for a Savior. Apart from being born again, it is possible to live holy from, from God's perspective. Uh, John 3, 3 says, Jesus said unto the, to, to him, more assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, once born, hell bound, twice born, heaven bound. But God told Nicodemus, you must be born, what? Again. And so uh, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Luke 18, 13 also says, and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes uh, to heaven. He was so grieved over his sins. He was so uh, helpless over his sins. But beat his breast in humility saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. A sinner, be merciful to me, a sinner. God save those who recognize their wretchedness and crowd in utter desperation to God for salvation. Number two, what are the prerequisites for holiness? Living a life of holiness and obedience validates the fact that we belong to Jesus. 
living a life of holiness and obedience validates the fact that we belong to Jesus. You are either a child of God or a child of the devil. That's right. You, 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 you're not 15, folk, 15 kinds of children. You're in one of two categories. You're a child of God or you're a child of Satan. You're either in God's camp or you're in the devil's camp. You're either blown to Satan or you're blown to Jesus. Verse 14 says, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. As obedient children of God, we must be determined not to allow ourselves to regress to our previous sinful lifestyle, to our previous cravings and desiring to do those things which are forbidden by God. When you do something God tells you not to do, that's outright rebellion against Almighty God. We must refuse to allow the world to shape or fashion us into its mold. The world wants to shape you. It wants to fashion your children. The world has a satanic agenda for your children. So does Satan. And, and we, want the, we want the Lord to shape our children. We want the Lord to shape our marriage. We want the Lord to shape and mold uh, our lives for his honor and glory. We cannot live holy while yielding ourselves to the prevailing standards of this degenerating culture. Do not allow yourself to be duped uh, by this culture. We cannot live holy while yielding ourselves to the prevailing standards of this degenerating culture that's going down, down, down. Partial obedience is defiance and rebellion against God. The Lord requires total, unconditional obedience to his word from his children. Anything less than total obedience is disobedience. He don't want, well, I kind of obey God. There's no such thing as kind of obeying God. You either obey him or you rebel against him. Amen. You, don't, you, you, you obey God and then you leave the consequences to him. God blesses holiness. God blesses a life that is obedient to him. Number three, another prerequisite for holiness is this. When we see our sins in light of God's holiness, we see our sins as God sees them. Now that's big. When we see our sins in light of God's holiness, we see our sins as God sees them. This means we don't call our sins a mistake. We don't call our sins, oh, that's my weakness. Or we, or we don't minimize or rationalize our sins by saying, well, that's just the way I am. That's insufficient. That's not good enough. Or uh, I'm not there yet. Well, you better get there because you can die tonight. Some of y'all 50 years still saying, I, I'm still trying to get there. When are you going to arrive and show up for Jesus? Stop rationalizing your sins. Stop calling them weakness. It's sin. Say sin. 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 When the last time you looked up to God in prayer and said, Lord, I sin with my tongue. I've sinned with my eyes. I've sinned with my hearing. I've sinned with my attitude. I've sinned where I've gone. I've sinned the way I've hurt people. I've sinned against you. 
I have sinned, O oh God. I plead the blood of Jesus over the sin. I cry out that you would wash my iniquities. I remember as a child seeing an illustration of a dilemma each of us faces. There was this person with a little red devil on one shoulder trying to get them to do bad things and a little white angel on the other shoulder telling the person to resist the devil. Listen to today as Pastor Rander continues teaching about which voice Christians should listen to in this message of Call to Holiness. He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 5 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door was shaken by the voice of him who cried out. And the whole house was filled with smoke. Verse 5. And I said, Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I'm undone. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. He had a dirty mouth. He's, he, don't, he didn't say, uh, I, I have sins. He named his sin. I got dirty lips. My mouth is nasty. And I dwell amidst the people of a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And let me tell you something. Once Isaiah saw God, he was never the same. And I'm going to tell you something, once you have a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, you will never be the same. Stop saying you're a Christian and you're acting worse now than ever before. I seriously doubt the validity of your salvation. You think you say, it's a sad faith, a professed faith. But when you've really been born again, when you've really experienced God in a personal, contrite way, listen, your life is not the same. And even if you try to sneak and do what you used to do, you so struck with conviction and guilt and remorse, you can't sleep, you are absolutely miserable, that's a sign that you know the Lord. When you can sin and go eat collard greens and red beans and rice and go to sleep and doesn't bother you, you need to get saved. Because sin ought to bother you. Did you hear what I said? Sin ought to bother you. I wonder about the person who can sin and not be bothered. In the presence of God, Isaiah mourned over his sin. In the presence of God, Isaiah grieved over his sin and cried out in utter desperation over his sins. And the, not only his sins, but the sins of his people because his eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Not only do you want to get out of sin, you want to see your children get out of sin. Your, your family get out of sin. You, you, there are people you know who are sinners and living, doing all kinds of sinful deeds in your family, in the workplace, or whatever. You praying that they get out of sin. 
You don't want to be comfortably going to heaven while somebody while droves are going to hell. I'm satisfied. I'm I can't wait till I get to heaven and everybody going to hell around you. Listen, you ought to be mourning over the sins of your brothers and sisters in Christ, over your family members, over your co-workers. You, 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 ought, to have, you ought to be burned for your children's sins, your grandchildren's sins, and their state and their condition. That's right. Instead of talking about folk, instead of gossiping about folk and saying what they should and should not be doing and all of this, first of all, get the log out of your eye, start walking right with God, and start interceding for those who are living in sin. In the presence of God, Isaiah mourned, Isaiah grieved, and Isaiah cried out in utter, utter desperation over his sins and the sins of his people because his eyes had seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Verse 5, woe is me, says verse 5, I am undone. In other words, it's, it's over, I'm going to die. I, I, I saw God, I'm going to die. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Isaiah's heart was filled with anguish. It was filled with grief over his own sinfulness because of being in the presence of Almighty God. Listen, are you ever in the presence of God long enough to fall under conviction? and grieve over your own sins. Did you hear that? Are you ever in the presence of God long enough to fall under conviction and grieve over your own sins? I'm not talking about a little quick 60 second prayer. We have so much sin in us that we need to sit in the presence of God. We need to stretch out in the presence of God. We need to just linger in his presence. If you desire to be greatly used by God, you must first be broken by him. You can't use a horse that is unbroken. He'll buck you off and break your neck. That's right. That horse has to be tamed. And then you can ride him and he'd be productive. And you know why some of y'all are not fruitful? You haven't been tamed. Some of you acting like wild, unbroken Christians, you bucking, you buck against the church, you buck against the word of God, you, you, you buck, you just buck, you just buck, yeah, just buck, just buck, you just dump anybody that disagree with you, I, you won't listen to nobody, you won't talk, talk about it, you got an attitude, just bucking all over the place, and sometimes God, God, God has to just intervene, and then he has to arrest you. And God has a multiplicity of ways of arresting people. And when God tamed you, you've been tamed. I tell you, when God saved you, he, he washed your mouth. I just say, I had a dirty mouth. But he's not the only one with a dirty mouth. Anytime you slander, that's, that's a dirty mouth. Dirty lips. That's right. You cussing, that's dirty lips. You saying, that's right. Dirty lips. That's right. You slander, Dirty. Dirty. And some of you doing dirty things with your fingers. Your fingers dirty when you're texting dirt. That's right. Some of you not doing it with your mouth. You're doing it with your fingers. And you do it fast. You, you, you do your dirt real fast. 
You haven't been broken. Let me tell you something, by the way. Thank you, Holy Ghost. When you have been broken by God, you don't have to walk around and tell everybody, well, I'm broken. You don't have to tell folk you're broken. Folk will know and see your humility. They will see your contrition. They will see your brokenness. You know? And, and sometimes you can start off being broken and have contrition, and then God begins to elevate you in positions in the church, a position in the society, a position, give you this and that, and all of a sudden, the broken person, the contrite person, can also, all of a sudden become proud all over again because people are looking up to you and they're coming to you and you got all the answers and, you, you, and all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you something. You can't be God, you can't be God and everybody's lying. Why is a person that know how to send folk to Jesus? Amen? So you got, you got to be careful about this. You can start out contrite and humble and end up still proud. People know how to puff you up. People know how to put you out there. Don't let anybody uh, puff you up and make you think you higher than you ought to be. Don't, don't think too highly of yourself. Won't y'all say amen? Oh, you'll, you'll, you'll have contrition when you grieve over your sins. When was the last time you cried out in utter desperation over your own sins? Number four, we cannot live a life of holiness unless we have been delivered from sin. We cannot live a life of holiness unless we've been delivered from sins. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, 13 through 14 says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Only those who have been delivered by the Lord from the dominion and authority and power of Satan and transferred into the kingdom of Christ can live holy. If you desire to be delivered from the power and penalty of sin, you must understand, you must understand what sin really is. Say sin. When last time you said sin? When last time you saw something on television and said, now that's sinful? That's sinful. When is the last time you heard lyrics on a song and say, you know what, I hear sinfulness in this song. Now some of you all have been listening and you've gotten so immersed in the media and into videos and to the music and to what's on television until you've lost your sensitivity to sin. Why is it that sin doesn't bother you the way it used to? Have you been backsliding in your spirituality? Do you even understand what sin is now? You've been a Christian so long till you, t t until you've forgotten what the definition of sin really is. Well, let me remind you. What is sin? Underline that, write that. What is sin? Every child, right, what is sin? So you know what it is. What is sin? Sin is a violation of the word of God. Anytime God's word says something and you do something contrary to the word, you sin against God himself. That's right. If I'm preaching the word and I'm coming from the scripture and what I'm saying is lining up with the scripture and then you go on out here and do it your way, you living in rebellion and you're going to shipwreck your life and God's going to chase you for it. 
And you know what? You know why I preach so hard and I come from the book? I don't ever get up here without my book because I want you to see. I'll say verse 5. I'll say verse 15. Turn to this chapter. Turn to this verse. You say, why so many scriptures? Because I don't want you to think it's Draper talking. It, it is not Draper. It is the word of God. The power is not in me. It's in the word. The authority is in the word. Salvation is heritably in the word. And by the way, when I preach to you and I preach the word like God has told me to do, then your blood is not on my hand. I'm not going to get your whipping. Now, if God told me to preach and I'm lackadaisical in my responsibility, then he's going to chase me and I'm responsible for your spiritual illiteracy. But when I take this book and you see it on the PowerPoint, you looking at me and I'm, we're going line from line and word from word and you see it and you still going to act the way you go act, your attitude's going to stay the same, you, nothing's going to change about you, you get cocky, you get prideful, you get beside yourself. All right, you go on out there with your bad self. All right. God said, look at him. God don't even have to move a finger. God can just look and mess your life up from, the day, from this point all the way to your death. God will take your joy. That's right. God will put you in a blessed subtraction. The Lord gives and he takes away. God knows how to bring you down. Don't you think he's not in the bringing down business? He'll bring you down. That wife can't do nothing with you. You, are, you crazy in the house, husband. God knows how to bring you down. Wife, you, you talking all out of your head and talking too much and uh, saying whatever come to your mind. And you're not kind. You're mean to your husband. He'll bring you down. Thank you for tuning into this program for the Maranatha Bible Church Broadcast Ministry. This broadcast is supported in part by your generous financial contributions, and we invite you to partner with us in spreading this important word throughout our local community and the world. If the Lord spoke to you in this message, let us know. Call us at 210-821-5683. Even better, come and visit us at 7855 East Loop 1604 North, Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. If you'd like to order today's message, visit our website at www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio and video messages. You can also find service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much, much more. Tune in tomorrow as Pastor Draper continues to teach us from the Word of God. Thank you for joining us today. And may the Lord's blessings be upon you.